noise, make 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 noise. A man I've been looking for for a long time. What's happening, sir? How are you feeling? Yo, what's goody, man? Plaxico Burris. Um, of course, follow the man's career from, Mich from Michigan. Um, followed the man's career from Michigan to, of course, the Steelers to, of course, the Giants, and then on to the Jets. Come on, let's wait till he gets into to a space into a space where the internet is better. Uh, what okay, motherfucker. There we go. Okay, there we go. So, uh, a, a man and followed the man's career, starting with starting with you played in Michigan, correct? Michigan State. Come on, man. Get it right, man. Right. Okay. Hold on now, sir. Hold on now, sir. I watched that briefly. I got to you when you were in 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 um in uh Pittsburgh. And I talked right. to I'll tell you my conversations I have with people that play on the team in Pittsburgh. We'll get to that later. Then the Jets, I mean then the Giants, then the Jets. Where I love you the most is the Giants, because I'm a Giants fan by heart. Uh, it was it broke my heart when you went to the Jets, but fuck it, you went there. You did what you had to do. Uh, let, let's let's start here. What a, you know when you play football? What what got? When did you actually start? What made you actually put on the cleats and do this? Were you a kid, young? You know, or did you start start when you were a teen? What was your journey? Man, I was like seven years old. Man, just growing up in Virginia Beach, Virginia, and um. You know, my mom dropped me off at the park. She said, get out and go play. Of course, you down there in the seventh city. So anything, anything in, the, in that seventh five city beach. area, five beach, uh, Hampton Roads, bad news, all of those places. Like that, they play football down there. Like they play football, football. So you started at, at an early age. When did you recognize your greatness? When did you realize I can actually do this? Um, I would probably say, you know, like my, probably about my, about my sophomore year in college. Wow, you know, so, so, so you didn't realize it in high school. You, you didn't realize that. I mean, I mean, I mean, you know, you know, uh, I recognized when I was in high school, but at the same time, you know, I was, I was the number one wide receiver coming out of high school in, in 96. And, you know, you know, uh, we got a lot of, uh, we got a lot of uh, playground legends where we from. So, you know, a, a lot of cats that, you know, that, that that didn't make it out. I was one of the fortunate ones. And, and for me to get to college and, and be able to and to go out and compete with them. Actually, like my first college, you know, practice, I actually said to myself, I was like, damn, I actually got some dudes in my hood that are better than these kids, man. And I was like, that's when I knew. I was like, yo, I got some cats in my hood that's better than them. If you had dudes in Vaughn Beach that were better, what is it that made them not be able to be on that field with you? What what separates the high school player from the college player? Uh, you know what? Uh, you know I was exposed to it, um, and I uh, I got lucky. Uh, I had a I had a high school coach that really cared about me that that, that saw my abilities that 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 I didn't even see in myself. And so, you know, I, I, I was going to be a basketball player. That was my thing. I was going to hoop, do my thing, go to the NBA, average 20 and 13 and 6, and just do my numbers. But, you know, I had somebody that believed in me more than myself, and, and that sent me down to the University of Florida to watch the Florida-Tennessee game in the swamp when, you know, I had never been on an airplane. I had never stayed in Virginia, so on and so forth. And, you know, uh, you know, when I went down there and seen that, man, I just, you know, I just kind of made my mind up. And I thought, yo, this is what I'm going to do. But on that off the beaten path, because you said you, you, you said you would, would hoop. Who's your game most like in the NBA right now? Who, who would, who, so that people will understand what your game is, who would, what oh, man. are you close to in terms of your game? You know what, man? Um, you know, uh, I was just a, a, a great all-around athlete. You know, uh, you know, I, I would say that, you know, a cat that's playing right now that, you know, that kind of looks like me, it's kind of like uh, Tobias Harris. You know, mm -hmm. it's just, it's just, he, he just does everything well. You know what Swiss I mean? Swiss Army knife, all purpose. Swiss Army knife, all purpose. 
Yeah, he he can get he can score, he can rebound, he can get grimy, he can play D. Like he'll get on the floor, he'll do whatever you want to do. And you know, I, I didn't really specialize in anything anything uh, special scoring. I was just a great all around athlete. And you know, I came out of '96, so I was nominated McDonald's All American in '96. I didn't make the the uh, McDonald's All Star team, but you got to think, man. You know. You know, Kobe Bryant and Mateen Cleaves and Lester Earl, all these cats came out of 96, and it, it, it was a hell of a class. So, you know, I, I just didn't stack up to what them boys were trying to do. Wow, so you decided, so was that, did that play into the decision to go get on the football field and do that? Uh, not really. I, I had a, you know, I had a, a string of incidents that kind of happened, you know, coming out of military school, going to college. You know, being declared ineligible by the NCAA, having to sit out a year, you know, didn't have any housing, didn't have any financing, you know, just sleeping on my boy's floor in college because I ain't had nowhere to live. And just, you know, uh, just just a snowball of different things that kind of, you know, pushed me into the direction of just playing football. And, and you know, uh, I, I went to Michigan State as a Prop 48. So mm. uh, I, I wasn't on a scholarship. You know, I went there. I was, I was, I was dead ass. I, I had nothing. I slept on my boy's floor for a year, and you know, I couldn't work out with the football team. I couldn't go into the facility. I couldn't do none of those things. So, so, you know, I just linked back onto what I wanted to do, and I played basketball with, you know, Morris Peterson, Mateen Cleves, all these boys, just every single day to stay in shape because I couldn't work out with the football team. So so that's what I did to stay in shape. And then after and then playing with you know, hey yo, them boys are so good, man, you know, they won a national championship. Mm-hmm. I was, was going Cleves was, was nice that year. Cleves was Oh, the best point guard in the country. And then after playing with them, you know, I kind of said to myself, I said, you know what? I'm not as really as good as football as, uh, at basketball as I think I am. So, you know what? I'm gonna just go out here at six six two thirty, and jump over these little dudes on the corner at five ten five eleven, and just you know create my path. Okay, so so but but you played and you you did it. Speaking of college, you said that you you know Prop forty eight. For people who don't know what Prop forty eight is, number one, explain that, and then I'm gonna ask my question because some people may be confused about Prop forty eight. Yeah. So uh, so what happened to me was uh, I came out of high school. I was the best wide receiver in the country. I didn't have the grades or the SAT to go to college. So did they basically, you know, bank on your potential of mm-hmm. you being able to get eligible, uh, you know, passing 24 credits in, in two semesters or whatever it may be or, or, or whatever conference you go and play in. And, you know, Nick Saban was my coach. So he basically, you know, put that on me. So, you know, we're going to bring him in. And, you know, we're going to put that on him to see if he is capable enough of becoming eligible. And so I didn't have a scholarship. I didn't have nothing. So I just went up there on a whim and, you know, just trusting to myself. You know, I wasn't the best student or whatever you want to call it. But, you know, uh, you know, uh, I passed football field, man. I just, you know, you know uh, the rest is history. Now, now, question number one is, you, you weren't good enough with the SATs, you weren't good enough with the grades, but you were on the trajectory to be a professional football player. You were good enough to do that. Do you think that maybe they need to change the rules, even down to your, even down to your major? If you are really good at football, and that's what you're going to do, and obviously, you're good enough to remember the playbook. You're good enough to remember what you do on the field. Shouldn't it, shouldn't college just allow you to let your major actually be football? Doesn't that make sense? Because that's what you're good at. You don't no, need an you know, I, I don't think that's really going to happen. I really don't. But they, they, they just now getting to the point to where they are agreeing to pay college football players, which I said should have been done 20 years ago. When you look at a player like me, um, you know, I was a top 10 draft pick. 
in in two years and you you uh, you in college you eating ramen noodles you eating Vienna sausage whatever you got to do to get by and and your jerseys and your jersey are in sale in the in the bookstore for two hundred dollars. Mm -hmm. So you, you look at situations like that, but I don't think that the NCAA is ever going to come down on the SAT scores and the grades because football will never become a major. They they always going to make that the way that it is. You you're going to have to major in a in, in a specific subject, but uh, I I don't see the NCAA coming away from that anytime. So you you're still going to have to be able to qualify no matter um, no matter how good you are. Now, you you think that there should be a system to pay college athletes. What do you think that a college athlete should make? Um, you know what? I really can't say because um, after I came out of the Prop 48, I believe that for a Pell Grant, like twice a year, we was getting like $3,500, and you was just expected mm -hmm. to live off of that. You know, for this, for the six months of August, six months in January, so I I don't know what it's going to be. You know, I I just look back at the situation on a guy like AJ Green, who who was the best receiver in college football his senior year, and he got suspended for like signing autographs on his own jersey and collecting paper. Like that's crazy, and you know, and 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 his, and, and his draft that is dropped because of that. You know, I, I think that, you know, the NCAA knows that it's a major problem because, like, these dudes can go out there and get bread whenever they want, but they just want it all in their pocket. And and, and, and that's changing. You know, uh, mm -hmm. the, the, the whole demographic of it is changing. I think they realize that you know, like cats out there getting money, uh, you know, it, you can't you can't govern it all. And they're gonna do what they gotta do to live because the scholarship money that that they are getting, it 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 ain't taking care of them. So they gotta right. do something before it get crazy. I I think you know for me I think it's uh it's in between not being able not having not making enough to go get yourself a big ass chain with some crazy shit on it, but being able to make a make enough. Where you don't have to do the ramen noodles, you can go and hang out. You can have a little bit of fun. You know, you make maybe two thousand dollars a a month. Okay, boom, you can go take care of your your stuff. They give you a car. They give you everything and line you up so that you can so that you don't have to struggle and you don't have to worry. So now you cut, you do your thing at Michigan State. You now now it's time for the draft. What happens? You know, coming out of Virginia. So you, Virginia. So now, so let me ask that again, because people, people didn't hear. You now do your thing in Michigan State. It's time for the draft. Hold on. Let's just wait. This should be interesting as fuck to me. Like, I love this kind of shit. And we had Bill Bellamy talking about on, on the acting side, but, but having somebody who really did it, who really lived it, definitely... Definitely major shit because you can you a movie is one thing, but actually somebody who's living it is something completely, completely different in a whole different way. Hold, on, let's just wait and see if he uh, if he comes back. Because this this when the shit get interesting. Um, motherfuckers internet always get crazy when it get interesting. I don't know. Maybe it's the maybe it's the Instagram internet gods. So so. You now do your thing at, at Michigan State. Now, now it's the NFL draft. What happens? What's the story behind that? Oh, you can't hear me. You can't hear me. Can, can you hear me? Hold on, I hop, I'm going to hop out and hop back in. Hold on. You hop out and hop back in. If you guys can hear me, can you guys damn hear me? Come on. If you can hear me, if you can hear me, give me a number one. If you can hear me, give me a number one. If you can hear me, give me a number one. If you can hear me, give me a number one. Because I need to know if it's me or if it's or if it's Plaxico. Uh, let me know. 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 No. No. 
Okay, hold on, let me see here. Okay, cool. You can hear me. You can hear me. It's cool. He just came back. Um, okay, cool. All good. All good. All right. You got me? Yeah, I'm, 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 back, in, I'm, I'm back in the fold. Hey, hey what up, Lowe's? I see my man Lowe's pop on here from, from the FLINT, Flint, Michigan, my second home. Oh, okay. What's going on? Listen, Lowe's, I'm really, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm really hurt that they can, give, they can, they can find a, 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 a vaccine for COVID, but they can't fix your fucking water. But that's another story for another time, Lowe's. We'll get into that. Yeah. Um, so you, you do what you do at, at Michigan State. Now it's time for the NFL draft, what happens? Oh, man, it, it was a whirlwind. You're talking about a kid that, you know, um, you know, I'm looking at the door. I'm, I'm about to keep the door open. And, you know, I, I really want to go back to school for my senior year to graduate. Um, I want to I win the bullet in the cough. I want to be a Heisman. I want to go to the Rose Bowl. But at the same time, you know, um, you know my mom is evicted. You know, she she she's living with uh, my grandma at the time with my two brothers. You know, everybody's kind of sleeping in the same bed, so it was kind of like a no-brainer for me to, you know, take my talents to the NFL. And I mean, just the whole process of just, you know, getting there and be like, you know, getting drafted, you know, at the eighth pick, and you got to pick up the phone and call your and you got to pick up the phone and call your your financial advisor and ask him, man, yo, man, how do I write a check? Like, I never had a bank account before, like, 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 like uh, real shit like that, because you don't even you never even had a bank account, and overnight they give you like twenty four million dollars and you you a twenty you a twenty year old man, and you just like, all right, so what do I do now? And you know all those things you, you grow up quick. You know, uh, you, you get you get burned to learn, all of those kind of things, and it, it was a beautiful experience going through the whole thing, and just you know, just being 21, 20 at the time, man, just living that living that dream of, of just since when you were seven years old to actually make it happen, uh, you know, it, it's something special. Now, now. You said burn and learn, and also the NFL and, and sports in general is the only profession where they ask kids who are 18 and 19 to act like they're 45 and 50-year-old men. It doesn't mix. You get you 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 said you you got you burn and learn. You got hit with 24 million. How did you learn and get burned? What happened? What kind of things happened to people? I mean, you know, everybody just come out of everybody come out of the world works for you, man. That, that uh, you know, that's just how it is. And you know, you gotta differentiate, you know, the bad from the good, and 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 understand, you know, why people are, you know, uh, your best friend all of a sudden, and you know, learn to say no, in in, in certain situations. But uh, I mean, being being in that space from being overnight, not having being broke or whatever the case may be to I can do anything I, I can do anything I fucking want like in in the morning it's a, it's a it's a whirlwind and um mm -hmm. you know I I think guys like myself and a, a lot of guys around the league really want to mentor the younger guys to really put a system in place so they can really govern themselves to you know to to make good decisions make but better decisions because there's nothing in place as such, to to this day in the NFL, but going going back through it, man, it, it was it, it was a beautiful thing. Wow, you, you know, we I just had Bill Bellamy on a second ago, and of course, Bill Bellamy was in any given Sunday. He's an actor. He's an actor. He can tell us what filming a movie is like. This is practical birth. This this actually happened. So you're now you're now a young man. You're going into you're going into the Steelers. Right now, a friend of mine who I went to school with named Willie Cologne played for the Steelers. And I play, and, I play, with, I play with Willie C. What's up, well, Willie I didn't C? Know that you Willie. I didn't know you were there during the years that Willie was there. Yeah. Me and Willie went to Cardinal Hayes High School together in the Bronx. And I had no understanding until he came on the show and told me what Pittsburgh was like. I didn't understand the difference between a winning and a losing organization. So, 
for you, what was going into Pittsburgh like, and what was that change from Michigan State to Pittsburgh? Because they do things completely different. Man, no, I had no idea I was going to Pittsburgh. You know, I thought I was going to Baltimore at five or maybe Philly at six. But when I went to Pittsburgh, I really didn't even understand the the, the whole tradition of what the black and gold was really all about until I got there. And then you really understand this, uh, the, the significance of what still a nation really means and the organization and how they run it from the ground up. And it, 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 it's a five-star joint. It's just, you know, everybody that leaves, they go there, they try to come back because, you know, uh, uh, we got a standard. The standard is, the standard is the standard. And whatever, whatever that means to you as a, as, a, as, a, as a young man and as a football player, and when you step out on the football field, the standard is the standard. And you go out there and you lay it, on the lo- lay it all on the line for everybody else. And it's just, you know, when I was in Pittsburgh for about seven years, I've never been fine a day in my life because yeah. they, they, they put it in front of you as such that, you know, you're a grown man, uh, you know, there are no rules, but you, if you can't govern yourself, you won't be here. And and I think that's one of the most beautiful things about it, as far as the organization is concerned, is that everybody that leaves, you know, you want to go back because you understand how, how, how special of a place that it really is. Once you leave, you're like, oh, man, I was really playing football over there. And you know, just looking, just looking back as a kid, man, 21, 22, 23, we had some great football teams, man. You, you look at that team that we played on over there, man. We probably got eight or nine Hall of Famers to come off that team alone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, serious you know, dudes, serious dudes. Who was on that team for people who don't know? Oh, man. Um, well, when I first got there, it was, you know, uh, Damani Dawson, Hall of Famer, um, LeVon Kirkland. Alan Fanica, uh, uh, Jerome Bettis, uh, Hans Ward, uh, Joey, Joey Porter, Casey Hamden, Troy Palamu, uh, James Ferrier, uh, James Harrison. It, it, like the, the oh. list goes on. <laughs> when you said Port, when you said Porter, you said Harrison. And the one thing that Willie told me is that. You guys, they would make you. He told me two things that, that, that really stuck with me. He said that Alan, he said, excuse me, Alan Thanica would not talk to him because he didn't know the other assignments. He said, I'm not, I'm not talking to you because I, I don't trust you. You don't know this. You don't know that. You why I'm talking to you. I don't he said the level of professionalism is so much greater over there. And he said that. You go harder in practice against each other. And when right. the game came, the game was fun because right. you you know, you would it was the, the your practice was harder than the game. Right. There's no doubt about it. Uh Coach Cowell, we'd be six, seven periods in the practice. He'd be like, yo, let's start this motherfucker over, man. Uh, the, uh, the intensity ain't right. Start the practice over. From the calisthenics, he'd be like what? Man, we've been in practice for 45 minutes already. He'd be like, yo, start the whole joint over. The attitude ain't right. And and, and Willie C, definitely right, man. Um, Alephanica is, is is arguably I, uh, one of the best offensive linemen I ever played with in my life. From a guard perspective, he's the best I've ever played with. Damani Dawson and uh, I played with some great players. And, you know, Red set the tone. And everything that he that he told you about fan is exactly correct, man. You know, we we held it to a high standard. And you know what? If you didn't, you know, like we like we policed ourselves. The coach didn't have to tell us. Like How did you we, police yourself? We'd be like, look, man, look, you gotta catch that ball, Plex, man. You you out here fucking around, you gotta catch that touchdown. You you gotta get that block. You got to make that tackle, whatever it may be. You know, we policed ourselves, and that's the one thing that is special about Pittsburgh that'll be that that that, that doesn't happen in other organizations is that the players govern their own selves, and we hold our we hold our own selves to a high standard. The coach ain't got to say nothing to us. You know, and, and, and 
when he said that to me, that was maybe about two months ago when, when I had that interview with Willie. He, I, I, I'm not a fan. I'm, I'm a, of course, I'm a Giants fan at heart, but I'm, I'm a fan of KC. I'm a fan of Seattle. Marshawn Lynch and, all, and Cam Chancellor and all them dudes are my actual dudes and I, that I fuck with. So I was Seattle. But now the Steelers, I've become a fan of the Steelers just knowing how they do what they do. So now you go, you leave the Steelers, and, and I, I want to just move over to the Jets real quick because I'm, I'm going to go back to the Giants. But you eventually wound up with the Jets. What were the differences between being with the Steelers as opposed to being with an organization like the Jets? What were the differences? It's, it's a totally different aura. It's a totally different feeling as a player. You know, uh, you get up in the morning and you walk into the Steeler facility uh, for game week. You're like, yo, man, we're going to whip somebody's ass this week. Right. You, you get up in the morning and you walk into the Jets facility, you be like, damn, man, I hope we can get a win this, this Sunday. It's a whole different aura from an organizational standpoint and what the whole attitude is. Like these people over there in Pittsburgh, they 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 breathe, breathe, love, and they know football. New York, the Jets, they they got enough money. They just corporate man. You know, we just gonna buy a football team and put some people in the building and see if they can play. It's a whole now, different, whole different type of aura. But you come from this winning, even the Giants. You come from this winning world. How can you, does it rub off? You know, do, you don't turn, is it, is it kind of a situation where one person can't tell these people what to do? You know, how do you walk into that kind of, that kind of room and not, and lose the winningness? I know, man, it's, it's, it's a, it's a different feel, man. It's a, it's a painful thing, you know, to go through a weekend and week out. And, um, you know, when I signed to the Jets, when I walked in the building, the first dude that was standing there was LaDainian Tomlinson. You're talking about a guy that's first, okay. battle, of, first battle Hall of Fame who I had the utmost respect for. And he was the first person, like, standing inside when I walked in the building. I said, oh, man, we're going to turn it around and try to get this thing rolling. But you, you, you would expect the head coach to be there the owner, everybody else, but it, it, that, uh, that was kind of the, you know, the the, the light that, that kind of goes on, like, like where everybody at? And, uh, you know, I had Santonio Holmes with me. He was in Pittsburgh. He had just won a Super Bowl, Super Bowl MVP. And, you know, you put everybody in this space, and we all know that we can play. I mean, the, the resume speaks for itself. But from an organizational standpoint and the coaching and the teaching, it, it just wasn't there. Not not to, you know, shed light on Rex or anybody else, but that that's just what it was. And we had Revis, uh, Cromartie, Bart Scott. We had a great we had a great team, but we just couldn't put it together. And that's what I don't understand. Like you had Rex, you had Bart. You know, I talked to Bart all the time. You had Cromartie. Cromartie was my next door neighbor out here. You had a you know you have a Danian. Ladini and Thomas, Thomason. You know what? You know what? At, at, the professionals weren't being professionals, so to speak. It, it was, it was more on a, uh, you know, uh, this guy is my friend, so I'm gonna keep him around. Uh, that, that that's kind of the heart of that whole thing kind of, you know, uh, worked out when I was there. From what I was observing, it was, you know, this guy's he's a good guy. He's my friend. You know, he may not be the best option for us or the best football player, but I'm going to keep him on the team. Do, do you do you feel like, if football is a very nasty nasty sport like that, where they cut, where they cut and they let you go and stuff like that, do you feel that, that there should be no emotion in it? You feel like, you know, Get this guy out of here. Get him out the door. And how did you deal with that? How did you deal with that? I mean, you know, um, I had already won the championship. You know, I, I came in the door with the goals of everything that I wanted to accomplish. And they signed me to a one-year deal, so uh, I knew what it was. And 
from a business standpoint, you can't get emotional. Uh, you know, they, they, they teach us that as you grow older in the business is that, you know, look, hey, we like you. You're a great player. But at the end of the day, it's still a business. Right. And, and, and that's one of the things that kind of, you know, kind of backs you down as a, as a, as a person. Because you know what, man, this is a job. Mm -hmm. it, 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 you know, it, uh, eating all the hot wings and all the you know the shrimp and the drinks and all that things at the games on Sunday. Mm -hmm. When the boys on the field, man, it, it's you know it's going out and performing. If you ain't performing, you should, your, your ass out of there. So you never got mad at like a Revis, where Revis was like, "Yo, man, I'm not I'm not coming to work. I'm holding out, whatever." Because you you knew it was a business, or did or did you feel like, yo, listen, you're supposed to be out here with us, putting it in? Absolutely not, man. Get every penny you can while you're there, because if you ain't performing, you out the door. That's just how it is. Rebus was the best in the business. He was the best in the business for like ten years straight. We decided. Without a doubt, he was the best corner football for ten years. I played against him every day in practice. I knew it when I seen it and competing against him. So why would you be? Why would you care about what other uh, what another man doing? He deserve it. If you want to sit out, he deserve every penny he getting. Because you know what? As soon as he go out there and he he break that ankle or tear that knee, he out of there. He's out of there. And you got to understand that as a player and everybody else on the sideline. Right now, you you walk into the door. You have a championship. When you when you do win a championship, where does your mind go? Where does your where does your mentality go? Does it change? Is it like yo? I got my chip. Hey. I just want all the money now. Where, hey. where does your mind hey. go? Hey, your mentality doesn't change because it feels so good that you want to get to another one. It's addictive. It's addictive. Once you taste that, once you taste it, and you feel that confetti fall, or you hoist that trophy, you be like, man, listen, I don't know what I got to do to get to it again, but I'm going to put everything on the line to get to this feeling again. It, it, it's, the, it's, the, it's, the, it's the best feeling in any sport, reaching the pinnacle of your profession. It doesn't matter what you are, if you're a writer, a banker, a music position, whatever you are. Everybody wants to get to the pinnacle of their profession. Right. And, and in sports, it, it, it's very few. It's yep. very few. And and you want to experience as many times as you possibly can. Definitely, I agree. You know, your your, your Super Bowl ring is my shit bowl behind my shoulder. Same kind of deal. You go from Pittsburgh to the Giants. What you, you land, you land at... At MetLife Stadium, you landed the, the facility. What are your first initial thoughts of the Giants and, and, and what's happening there? Um, I love it because, uh, you know, I'm in a situation that I want to be in. And uh, I, I kind of control the narrative of me, you know, putting myself into a piece to a puzzle that I thought that I could win a championship with a football team. I needed a tight end. I had a one of the best tight ends in Jeremy Sharkey. Um, I, I had a great uh, counterpart in Amani Tuma. I had Tiki Barber, who was one of the most underrated backs in football at the time. And, you know, I had a young Manning saying to myself that, you know, hey, if this guy can go out and be as halfway as good as his brother, then, then we got a pretty good chance. And mm -hmm. at the time, the New York Giants wasn't big for bringing in free agents. You know, that they bought in myself, Antonio Pierce, and Kareem McKenzie, and we were the only three parts uh, put into that team. And I think that they went like 4 and 12, 4 and 12, and 6 and 10. And when myself, Kareem, and AP came in, man, we just, you know, we hit the ground running 6 and 2, 6 and 2 at the break, 6 and 2. And um, we just created a whole different culture within the organization. Not now. Everybody knows Eli Manning, and when I see him, you know, I, I don't know the man from a can of paint. I look at him as, you know, the all shucks guy. Oh, shucks, you know, like, just, just not no swag, whatever. What, what is the real Eli Manning? Because I always, I'm just going to tell you what I felt. I felt like as long as Jeremy Shockey was there, 
I felt like as long as Jeremy Shockey was there, he didn't give me the swag that made me feel confident about he could take the whole team over. What about Eli Manning? What, a, what about Eli that we don't know, that we didn't see? I don't need my quarterback to have swag. I don't need that. I, I need him to be, uh, you know, put us in the best place possible in audibles and different situations. Uh, I, I want him to be intelligent and, re and recognizing coverages and me and him being on the same page. I don't need him to be jumping up and down with no swag and different things like that. You know, I, I want him to get on the center and make the best plays for the team, myself, and to help us win. He can be the dullest motherfucker in the world. But at, when, when Sunday get here, He's the most intelligent player on the football field, and that's what he was every Sunday. I don't need him to be swagged out, jumping up and down, dancing. What we did, uh, we what we did was we 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 fed each other. It was like yo, and and you know we had some arguments. We 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 got into some fights, but we knew it was we was competing for each other to be the, to bring the best out of uh, who we were. Right, because I, I always felt like. As long as Shockey was there, it wasn't going to happen. But what do I know? Listen, I can tell you how to rock a club with 3,000 people in it. I can't tell you what the fuck happens on the 50-yard line. I can't tell you that. I'm not inside that, that kind of world. Can one player, can one player kind of dampen the, the vibe of a whole team? Oh, okay. Woo, thank the Lord. Can can one player dampen the whole team? Can one player be the person to just take over the vibe of the team? Man, to, to, to be honest, man, to answer everything you're saying, um, Jeremy Shockey was the the main reason why I came here. Because if you if you understand football and you understand our formation offense, I'm the X receiver. He's a tight end. A mine is a Z. I was I was creating so many double teams that I couldn't get the, the double teams off of me. Mm -hmm. So, so I need a guy on the backside, far as a tight end, and I knew that and I, and I knew that Jeremy was drawing double teams, getting down the field. You know, he's fast, aggressive, physical, good hands, making plays in the end zone, whatever, scoring touchdowns. I say, this is the guy that I need to be with if I want to have a chance to win a championship. And I, I, I didn't just chase the paper going wherever I wanted to go. It was like, where do I fit in at? What's the best fit for me? And, and in order for me to win a championship, I have to play with a tight end that can stretch the field. And that's the main reason why I went to New York. I, uh, I could have went to Houston. I could have went to Carolina. Uh, I, I could have went, uh, went to Minnesota. I'm happy you didn't. And I could have stayed in Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh and in New York offered me the same contract. But I knew that my game wasn't going to take off and flourish of it if I didn't have a tight end on the backside, and that's why I chose to come to New York. So now here you go. You're in the Super Bowl. You're against the Patriots, all this kind of stuff. They give you – what were the chances you got? What, what were the odds? What were they saying? You, Man, you, hey. Hey, it really don't even matter because it's right there on the wall, man. Yes, it is. Yo, bro, I remember it in the corner. I remember yeah. it. Yo, I had, hey, bro, I had Doritos in my hand. I had Doritos. The, the fucking Doritos, were, they were all in my face. I Listen, I didn't catch the ball, but I definitely had Doritos in the red bag. And, and you dropped the, you dropped the whole Dorito bag, what you uh, did. Uh, sir, sir, fuck those Doritos. Fuck those Doritos, man. These shits were all over the place. I was with a bunch of out uh, When did you realize that you guys were going to do it? You made the catch before... The David Tyree, what, 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 what happened? No, I was the game winner, man. You got, you got, you got. I know you were the game winner. I know you the game winner. That was David Tyree was before with the helmet, right? Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, so when, when that shit happened and the guy got the shit on his head like this, what are you saying? On what are you saying? Man, I'm on the backside of it all, and you know I remember like it was yesterday and. You know, they, they 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 got E jersey in their hand. I'm thinking they finna sling him to the ground and he pop up. 
And I just see him just rev back and throw the ball. I'm like, no, don't throw it. And he just threw it like in the middle of the field. And, and um, you know, I couldn't have made that play. I don't think there's too many human beings on the earth that could have made that play. But understanding Rodney Harrison and knowing his knack for the football, I think he was one interception in postseason history from breaking the record. Mm-hmm. So he went for the football. Right. If he just undercuts David, tips, tips him upside down, he probably drops the ball. But Rodney went up to fight for the ball. And and um, uh, history tells us that it's one of the greatest plays in Super Bowl history because Rodney it, went for the ball instead of trying to make the play. Yup. And, 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 and I can't read faces in helmets but I could see the tightness on that man's face because he's never gonna he's never gonna live that down. That's his posterized moment. Now, y'all in there, you go back to the huddle. What's what's being said by you, Eli, Tyree? What <clears throat> you that catch happens, the helmet happens, you get back in the huddle. What's being said? Man, you know what? Um, I'm getting double teamed and um so we call the same play three times in a row mm-hmm. to see if, see if they can get out of the coverage, and they don't get out of the coverage. So we just keep throwing the ball to Smitty in the flats. We got a double slant on the backside with Smitty going to the flat, and then they keep dropping them. They keep dropping them. So we go, we can keep calling the same play. We're in a three-by-one, which is three-by-one. There's like three receivers on one side to the strong, and I'm the only long, weak receiver, weak wide receiver by myself. So they got a choice to make. Either we're going to play this, the trips to the strong side and defend it, or we're going to lead this man over here one-on-one, which they didn't want to do. But they got, they got to a certain point that was like, yo, man, if they keep doing this, it's going to be a walking touchdown. So they decided the worst thing, what they possibly did was they played cover zero, which is blitz zero, which is no safety help. They, they just rolling the marbles with all the dice, and they just – they, they they just blew the call. If if you look at the if you look at this film, so Spike Lee did a film at a Tribeca Film Festival probably like five or six years ago. It's called The Greatest Catch Ever. It's a culmination of myself, um, David Tyree, Mario Manningham, and Odell Beckham. All mm-hmm. these catches from Eli Man. So, and Rodney they interviewed Rodney Harrison for this piece. And I didn't know about it until I saw it. And so they they flew to Spike flew to Atlanta to interview Rodney Harrison at his home. And Rodney Harrison says on the on the film that when the call came in from the defensive coordinator to the late, you know, great Junior Seau, that Rodney Harrison walked walked up to Junior Seau and tried to change the play call. And and Rodney said, Junior looked at him, he said, yo, man, I, I can't change the call. But 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 mind you that if it was like the first, second, third game of the season, he would change the call. <laughs> but it was a situation, Super Bowl, third down. He said, yo, man, I can't go against the coach. I got to go with the call. And Rodney Harrison says he knew right then that the game was over because he knew the guy on the outside couldn't cover him. <laughs> Done. Crazy, done, right? Done, done. Crazy. One, one of one of the greatest one of the greatest Super Bowls ever to me. Um, there's nothing else to say about that. Just to go back, just to go back again. I'm gonna ask you one more time because I really want to know. I'm 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 dying to know about this particular thing. That play happens. Are you in the huddle for the next play? There, there, there is no next play. That, that, that. No, 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 no. I'm talking about when he, when David Tyree caught it. Cause it oh it, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Right. I'm in the, I'm in the huddle for the next play, and right. I, I so, go. Right. You go. You guys go in the huddle after Eli gets his fucking shirt whipped. He does this amazing thing. You guys are in the huddle. I have to know what you guys say to each other. You know, we don't we don't say nothing because everything's happening so fast. It's like oh, a, 
But so you look at the jumbotron and you like, oh shit, he just caught this ball in the back of his helmet. So I walk over to David Tower and I grab him and and I pull him to me. I'm like, yo, you do you know what you just did? He was like, I don't know what's going on. I said, yo, man, you just saved us the fucking Super Bowl, and he walked off the field. And that was the last time that he was on the field for the rest of the game. <laughs> so just going through it all, man, everything happened so fast that it's just you really don't have the time to think about it <laughs> until, like, after. Because, like, I'm trying to get to this chip. You know what I mean? Right, right. Okay. I, I I thought it was something. Maybe that's like the movies in me thinking that Eli said, "Look, I do this or whatever." You know, I, I don't know what the fuck happened. But I want to thank you for coming through, brother. We'll talk later. I want to have you come on and just go around the NFL at some point before the end of the Super Bowl. Oh shit! Now come on now, man. Now come on now, man. Now come on now, man. Now come on now. Why you gotta go and do that? Why you gotta go and do that? Man, you just gotta let them know, man. I got Bussy over here, Hall of Fame. Come on, man. Still shining. Why you gotta go do that? Man, you ain't have to do that. Come on, man. What All you right, do? do something. Fuck it. Fuck it, man. Fuck it. Fuck it. Fuck it, man. Fuck it. Fuck it. Fuck it, sir. That's what I'm talking about. Why you gotta do why, why we gotta do this today? That's what I'm talking about. Elite company. That's what I'm talking about. I don't wanna do that. <laughs> See, everybody gets their own, everybody gets their own personal one. No. No, that doesn't happen that way. Who's that? What 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 I got? Yeah. Oh, that's very special. Everybody don't get one of those. Every player don't get a trophy. Come on, man. Everybody don't get everybody don't get a trophy. Everybody don't get a trophy. It's crazy. It's crazy. Just you just flex on me for no reason, man. Everybody don't get a trophy. Man, you got the platinum, you got the platinum plaque, you got the MTVs, you got the green, yeah, you got everything. No, no, that's something different, sir. But I understand what you said. I got my shit over here, but 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 that's something different. I, I just thought I just thought that the people would want to see it. No, I actually you know I, what I mean? I want to see it. I want, uh, I, I want hey, to hey, it's even more special when you put it in your hand. Yeah, yeah, oh, oh, no, no, no. I was, I'm going to tell you a story before I leave. Mark, Cam Chancellor is my guy. Marshawn is my dude. Cam, for, first, uh, Cam from the crib. Uh, Cam from North. No, Cam is from, Cam is from Vaughn Beach, of course. Yeah, like, we're from the same hometown. Two years, two years I did, two years I did his, um, his function, his, um, his thing in his party, right? Right. So, I get cool with Cam, we cool, they lose in that year. And every, every, they, they lose like three or four in a row in Seattle. He won one game. I called him. Then they won another game. I called him after the game. They won another game. I called him after the game. So he, they kept winning. They wouldn't lose. So the one time he said, you'll call me after the game. So I called him after the game. They get to the NFC championship game. I said, yo, Cam, I'm coming out there to come to the game. It's the first time I've ever been to the game. I got a ticket on the 50-yard line. I was on the Seattle side. Like, Marshawn was eating the motherfucking uh, uh, Skittles, all kinds of shit. I saw everything, right? They were losing. They were losing. And I heard some white woman say, you got to believe. And this was like 10 seconds. I mean, like two minutes before the end of the game. They turn, That's the game. They turn around. They win it somehow. I go back to my hotel. I get I Cam is like, yo, we going out to party. I go to the club in Seattle. I get on the mic in Seattle. I got the whole fucking club going crazy. Marshawn going crazy. All kinds of shit. Shit is wild. I go to the Super Bowl. Cam might come to the Super Bowl. I said, all right, boom. I went to the Super Bowl. I went and got a room because it was in Arizona. So I know all the clubs. I was like, yo, fuck that. Once y'all win, we're going to go to the club. I'm going to take you, Marshawn, everybody going to turn up, right? That's the year that, they, that Russell Wilson threw the pass and it got intercepted. I was literally taking my clothes out, laying my shit on the bed, like, yo, I'm gonna wear this to the thing, I'm gonna wear this. And then when that happened, I was sitting in the room 
for like an hour and a half. Like, what the fuck I'm going to say to Ken? So anyway, I call him, and he said, yo, come over here. Come over here. We going to the club anyway. I can't stay in here. And I learned, I, I, I was so ready to touch that shit because he was like, yo, bro, you're touching everything. When you come to the, 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 the after party, everybody's in there. You can touch the shit. You can do whatever. Never got to touch it. That shit hurt, bro. Oh, you know what? I love Huh? I can't hear I say Cam is family to me. You know, we all from the same hometown. I never been on a losing end of one, which is a blessing. You know what I mean? But uh, he got a one, which, which he is got one. He got me, uh, one. Uh, 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 you know what? Hey, uh, myself, Cam, and Percy Harvin. You're Harvin. Harvin is from Broad Beach. Yeah, all from one city. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Uh, uh, the Beast Boys, the real Beast Boys. Right now, I, now I know that I know that Vic is from from Bad News. I know Vic yeah. is from Bad News. I because my family, I, my family went, my family's from from um, all Hampton, Hampton Roads, Williamsburg. My brother went to school in Hampton, so I know that area well. I, I knew that. Did you play against Vic in school? Because obviously, you buy me say Bad yeah. News. Yeah. How good was how how good was Vic in school? Lightning. He's probably about he's probably about a hundred and sixty-five pounds then, so he was really floating. <laughs> so he so he was giving y'all problems when y'all played. Y'all were having problems with him. Ah oh, man, he was a year, two years younger than me. Okay, so y'all y'all play at the same time. Nah, but yo, I gotta get ready to get out of here, man. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, bro, bro. Listen, I want to thank you. I want to thank you before you show me the damn Super Bowl. You, you, you did too much, man. You showed me the Super Bowl shit. I want to thank you for coming. Oh, here we go. Here we go with your shit. Here we go with your shit. I, I, I was, here we go. I want to thank you for coming through, sir. That, that's all I have to say. Stop doing that, hey, man. Hey, man. Hey, hey, come, you come by the crib, man. We barbecue, whatever, man. We'll kick it. You know, we'll do our numbers. I, I got to come and touch the trophy. I'll talk to you later. God bless, bro. Love you, right. man. Hell yours. Yeah. That's, my, that's my guy, Plastico Burris, right there. Make Noise with Fat Man Scoop is produced by myself alongside Raj Kachetcha and the team at creativecontentagency.com. Please support this podcast by leaving us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I love that. And by following this podcast on Spotify and sharing links to episodes you enjoy with your friends. Do it. You can also email the show via podcast at fatmanscoop.com. I answer that. Or you can DM me at Fat Man Scoop. Yes, I answer DMs.